Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. We got Brian with us today. What's up, heretics? And you guys know what we do here. We help you escape your church's echo chamber, learn to think biblically, and of course, always challenge the status quo that always needs challenging. So today we're really excited because uh, one, we have done more pro-life content, I think, on this channel than any other Topic. topic yep. And now I know we're late to the party. Everyone knows that Roe v. Wade has been overturned what? by the Supreme Court. What? <laughs> you didn't know that? I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> uh, Brian, we should talk about you being our co-host. <laughs> Luckily, we have a possible uh, new recruit right here for your <laughs> position. So we just tell her we'll double your salary. Um, anyway, so with that being said, we have a constitutional attorney, Catherine Henry, with us. She is actually an old friend of the channel. Yes. Uh, we helped join uh, with supporting her here during COVID with the Restore Freedom Initiative. And of course, uh, she has been a huge heavy hitter here. She's actually got some things that she's dealing with that we can actually help support her. But also, she is a constitutional attorney, so she actually does know a few things about said constitution. And and she's a believer, so also uh, we have that on our side as well. Yes. Now, a couple of things about um, about Catherine before we we give her the floor. Um, not only is she a constitutional attorney, but she has actually helped lead the fight against freedom and now is actually has her own court case regarding this. And so if you guys really want to, uh, I would encourage to listen to what she has to say here and how you can support her in that fight. Uh, she's been a good friend of ours and we want to keep that going. So with that being said, Brian, do you have anything else to add? No, I'm just excited to have Catherine. She's just I know. always a wealth of knowledge. Go so. check out all our videos with her in the past. She helped, uh, that that was back when we were, were first kind of hitting the map pretty good, and then she joined us, and it helped. So yep. anyway, with that being said, uh, don't forget to like, subscribe to our channel. Check out hers in the description below. You can follow her at Catherine Henry uh, on YouTube. She's actually got a bigger platform than us. We're not jealous at all. So <laughs> with that being said, uh, Catherine Henry, welcome to the church split again. Well, thank you. And if it makes you feel any better about my... Uh, the size of my YouTube channel. Uh, it grew to that size in about three weeks time and literally hasn't grown since because obviously they decided they didn't want me to get any more <laughs> YouTube subscribers. So yeah. You were shadow banned. I have been shadow banned since uh, October of uh, 2020. So if you can imagine that statistically and, impossible for my <laughs> channel not to grow. But. So just so everyone knows, uh, only the good channels get shadow banned. So true. that is why you should go uh, subscribe and check out what she has to offer. And also, guys, just so you know, she is extremely busy. She's got a booked week, and she was able to squeeze us in. And in case you can't tell, she has squeezed in, uh, squeezed us in so much. She is literally outside. So uh, <laughs> thank you for doing that. So anyway, with that being said, we got so much to talk about regarding this topic. Uh, first off, I think this was a huge win for both constitutional conservatives and also Christians. Um, we still got a ways it's to go win. in the fight. What? It's a win. It's a it's win. I wouldn't say it's a huge win, but it's a win. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> so Brian, I know you, this is kind of one of your uh, shticks. I'll, oh, yeah. I'll go to give the floor to you. Yeah, I've been minute. geeking out on all the constitutional stuff. So I'm excited to hear Catherine's uh, opinion on it. I, she did a video on it maybe yesterday or two days ago. I was like, I'm not going to watch it because I just want to hear it first on our channel. So <laughs> I'll watch it later. But Catherine, why why was this a win and maybe why wasn't it a big win um with the case last week 
Um, so it's important to kind of think about what the court is doing overall, because um, actually um, my weekly show that I do, Restore Freedom Weekly, that um, I talked about it, I actually was talking about not just this case, but the court had three huge decisions all within like a three or four day span. And the third one came out Monday morning. So um, it was, there's a religious freedom case that came out. There's um, the abortion case and then a second amendment case. Um, and all three came out, like I said, like, you know, it was like Wednesday, Thursday, Monday, or Thursday, Friday, Monday, something like that. So um, I found it interesting to read some of the, the pieces from each of the cases because there's a lot of overlap in some of the the way that they arrived at some of these conclusions, uh, some of the ways that they approach um, stare decisis, which is, you know, the law of, you know, basically like a settled point of law um, precedent that, you know, you're not supposed to overturn precedent, supposedly. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't like calling things case law because judges aren't allowed to make law. Um, that's why we have separation of powers. But um, at any rate, so, you know, there's there's some interesting things that were said in some of the cases that actually apply to all three. Um, and I, I didn't even think to grab the other two cases, um, you know, to to kind of lay out some of what I'm talking about. But um, I don't know if you guys made the decisions, um, the PDFs of the decisions available to people if they wanted to read them. But I'm on my, um, the video I did on Tuesday, which was on Rumble and YouTube and Facebook, uh, I'm pretty sure in the description of the video, I do have the full PDF to all three of the decisions I went over, including this Dobbs decision that we're talking about. So if anybody wanted to try to follow along later or, um, you know, just wanted to, to read it, which I would encourage people to do, uh, it's, not, it's not in French, I promise, um, <laughs> then uh, the full PDF is available there. and. You know, in my free time, which I have so much of, uh, I also plan to put all three decisions on my website as well. So, um, but anyway, some of the things I wanted to point to um, is, um, sorry, I'm outside. So I have like my little tiny hairs that are um, flying around in my head and, and tickling my face. Uh, and they're blonde, so nobody else can see them but me. So I just look like a crazy person. Like, ah! Okay. <laughs> but I'll sit into the wind. Maybe that'll help. Um, and then you get to see the handsome guy behind me. So um, <laughs> don't pick your nose. Okay. They can see you. Okay, so. Hi, Mike. <laughs> They're saying hi, Mike. <laughs> um, so a couple of the things as to like why it's a big, um, I guess. Okay. Before I get into the pointing out, Oh, I dropped my pen. That's cool. Um, Anyway, what, what you get when you sit on a park bench in the middle of a strange town. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, before I look at my notes or, or things that are actually highlighted from the decision, I guess I can point out to, you know, Roe v. Wade and, and Casey, those cases, the Roe case um, and the um, Casey case, those are overturned. I mean, the court explicitly overturned those. So that's the good part. Um, the bad part is that um, the 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 biggest bad part is that the court said, well, we got to turn, you know, the basically the, the decision on regulating abortion over to the state. That's the first bad part. Why is that bad? Well, last I checked, and actually it's funny, this ties into how you kind of introduced me. Um, so 
uh, I forget how you said it, Will, but you said something about, you know, I'm a constitutional attorney, so I know something about that, and I'm a believer, so, you know, there's that too. And I thought, well, really, now that I think about it, you can't really understand the Constitution if you are not a believer, because our Constitution and our entire form of government is literally premised on the rights that are given to us by God, and that we're thankful for those blessings of liberty. I mean, those words are literally written right into uh, the U.S. and Michigan constitutions. Um, of course, the, the exact terms of being uh, grateful to Almighty God for the blessings of freedom, uh, that's in the Michigan constitution preamble. But the U.S. constitution preamble pretty much starts the same way, just has a few more um, elements in there. So... That's super important in the context of this case because uh, why why would I be upset about it being a state, you know, going back to the states? Well, there's a few problems with that. Um, first of all, I guess I'll start with the thing that is something that people maybe have talked about a little bit more or terms that people have thought about a little bit more. Um, I'm assuming you guys have heard of the term states' rights. Oh, yeah. Yep. So states don't have rights. That's nowhere in the Constitution. Uh, it's the dumbest thing ever for people who claim to be constitutional conservatives to uh, talk about anything to do with states' rights. In the Ninth Amendment, the U.S. Constitution talks about our unenumerated rights, that we as people created by God, we have all of the amendments, uh, one through eight, the, uh, all of the rights that are listed or enumerated in rights, um, you know, the Bill of Rights, um, but one through eight, the amendments. And then we have, um, which is why I think it's funny that the first 10 are considered the Bill of Rights. But anyway, I'll get there in a second. Um, but it's one through eight. And then nine is saying, hey, listen, just because we didn't list a particular right doesn't mean we don't have it. We kept all of the rights. Um I want to say the Ninth Amendment talks about retaining. Um, they both have our words and they both mean retain. But anyway, the Ninth and Tenth Amendment use slightly different words. But anyway, we're retaining uh, all of the rights that are given to us by God. Uh, we are simply highlighting in the Constitution the things that we've already known by the time that, you know that these amendments were adopted. We're just highlighting the things new were of um, you know, particular uh, egregious actions by the the um, the crown. You know, in terms of colonial America and and whatnot, that we needed to put in there. Um, quartering soldiers. Okay, that's something that most people don't even realize is in the Third Amendment, but most people don't think about that because that really hasn't been a thing in the last two hundred years. Yeah. But it was something yeah. that was important back then. So. Um, anyway, so the Ninth Amendment says, listen, God gave us all of our liberty. We're just especially protecting these that we listed. But guess what? It's still the government's job to protect all the other liberties that we have. And, and we're keeping them. We're retaining them. So then you go to the Tenth Amendment. The Tenth Amendment doesn't say anything about states' rights because states don't have rights. God didn't give states or governments rights. We, the people, gave certain authority, certain power to the state government, to the federal government, and 
uh, of course, in giving certain powers, we also explicitly put certain restrictions or, um, oh, I can't think of other words, but basically restrictions um, upon the exercise uh, of, that, of those powers. So the Tenth Amendment is saying, okay, so, you know, the, the U.S. government, the federal government is, um, it, it's given, you know, this chunk of power. We, the people, gave the federal government this chunk of power. And then in the Constitution, we also gave um, certain restrictions for state or federal governments that they can't do certain things. And then, of course, you have the first, you know, nine amendments as well that place restrictions on the government. So um, anything that's uh, a power that is not talked about there well, then we're going to reserve, see, there's the other word, we're going to reserve uh, those powers either to the individual states or to the people. Well, people always forget about the, the states' rights fanatics, always forget about the or the people. Um, but the states, if anything, are given powers or authorities, but the word there is powers, they're not given rights. The states don't have inherent rights. They can't. They don't have a right to own property. They may have the power to own property, to you know, exercise on behalf of the people or um, things of that nature. But um, at any rate, it's important that we recognize that because rights are literally what are given to us by God. That's what's in the Constitution. So. Why is that important, and what does that have to do with this case? Okay, well, states don't have rights. We <laughs> just went over that. And all of our rights come from God. And last I checked, I'm pretty sure there's some sort of commandment in, in there, somewhere, one of the ten, uh, <laughs> thou shalt not kill. And so if we're not allowed, well, I don't know if you guys can hear that. <laughs> Somebody was really excited to get out of here. Um, if, if murdering is not allowed, if there's a commandment that tells us not to murder, I'm pretty sure that it's the ability to murder an unborn child is not one of those unenumerated blessings of liberty that God gave us. And all the unenumerated rights that... that are, you know, covered and, and talked about reference basically by the Ninth Amendment, those are literally the rights that are given to us by God. So God did not give us the right to murder the unborn. So then there's this part in, um, in here where, let's see, the court is talking about, um, well, it's kind of talking about a few things, but basically they're talking about, well, the Roe case, Roe v. Wade was talking about it in terms of it's a right to privacy, that the right to have an abortion is a right to privacy, uh, stems from having a right to privacy. And sorry, I'm trying to hold a good angle. This is not working for me. Um, <laughs> the Casey case described it as the freedom to make intimate, <laughs> I can't say this with a straight face given what's happening in COVID, the freedom to make intimate and personal choices that are central to personal dignity and autonomy. 
wait, shouldn't that include masks and vaccinations and everything else that's been <laughs> mandatory? Anyway. So, so then, then the court points out this, which I totally agree with. Ordered liberty, like organized, ordered liberty sets limits and defines the boundary, not just of our rights in general, but it defines the boundary between competing interests. That is literally the whole purpose of government. I mean, you know, we can look at the, the Declaration of Independence uh, and, and it, it explains, you know, governments are there to protect our liberties so that when I'm out there exercising my liberty, the example I used the other day, let's say, Brian, let's say you and I are neighbors. You moved down to Florida. I couldn't tell which one of you was more excited to move down. So we'll just play with you. <laughs> so <clears throat> we'll say you and I are now neighbors and um, I, I'm remodeling my house and, you know, we're, we're digging stuff out. We have all kinds of lumpy spots in our yard. So we're digging stuff out and we're digging. We don't, we can't grow grass cause it's all sand. Cause we live a walking distance five minutes to the ocean. You know, it's great. Um, <laughs> not, I'm not complaining, but we can't grow grass. So we have all these weeds. We're digging them out. Let's say I have these piles and piles of weeds and we, you and I are neighbors and I decide, well, I, I'm not forced to keep these weeds. I can remove them. So I remove them. I put them all in this big, you know, bucket thing, my wheelbarrow. And I wheel it over to the property line and I just dump it all onto your property. And then, you know, we continue remodeling and, and we decide we're going to, you know, update our plumbing and electrical and, uh, you know, rip out some old drywall. And so, gosh, this, this debris is just piling up and, well, no problem. I'm just going to wheel it over to the property line and dump it on your property. <laughs> well, that's a clear example of that's the purpose of government. When something like that happens, and that's a pretty, you know, hopefully no one would ever be that stupid to think they have the right to do that. But that'd be an example of where me exercising uh, the ability to use my property as I see fit is now impacting the ability of you to exercise dominion over your property as you see fit. And so that's where the government is supposed to step in is just in the exercise of my rights if I'm impinging on you exercising your rights. So that is the whole purpose of government. I'm actually a little frustrated at how downplayed this point is in here. But anyway, so it's talking about defining the boundary between competing interests. So then it says, Rowan Casey, each struck a particular balance between the interest of a woman who wants an abortion and the interest of what they term a potential life. Um, and so, okay, here's where we, um, I'm going to jump down for a second. Okay. Uh, so then a little while later, a few, you know, several pages later, the court then talks about, what sharply distinguishes the abortion right from the rights recognized in those other two cases. You know, like they did a lot of analogies and comparisons. Oh, you have the right to do this and you have the right to do that. Well, um, what sharply distinguishes the right, so-called right to an abortion versus the right to do all these other things is that and, and these other two cases, the, the Roe v. Wade and Casey case, both of these acknowledge this. Abortion is different, the court says, because it destroys what Roe termed potential life 
and what the law in this particular case that's being challenged calls an unborn human being. So literally what they're saying is the difference between this so-called right to an abortion and all these other rights that they're trying to have this draw this analogy to to say okay well it's it's okay is that this is the only one where you exercising the so-called right literally means the death of another human being. Yeah, exactly. So so it's not Whoa. the right to bodily autonomy here, right? As you were stating, it's not the right to bodily autonomy because you're infringing on someone else's bodily autonomy. Exactly. I mean, their whole existence. It's not even autonomy. I mean, I mean, of course, uh, an infant or a newborn or an unborn baby, you know, they're not going to exercise autonomy, but they certainly have the right to life. I'm pretty sure that actually is in the Constitution. Um, so... Anyway, um, and, it, and, it, and then the court points out that none of the other decisions that were cited by the Roe and Casey cases involved the critical moral question posed by abortion, which, again, the court is like skirting the issue. These are supposedly the conservative constitutionalist <laughs> judges, and they literally can't come out and say none of the other cases are talking about where you're murdering someone. And since we get our rights from God and God said, no, you shall not murder, that is not one of the rights that. God gave us that the government is supposed to protect. Like, so. Yeah, one could argue that's like the most basic right the government should protect is life. Uh, that's <laughs> well, supposedly that's what they've been trying to do with all the COVID nineteen regulations, right? I mean, they're supposedly <laughs> yeah. doing it. You know, telling us to wear masks and social distance and be injected with experimental DNA gene therapy and all that other stuff because it's going to save lives. If they're not doing it to save lives, then why the heck would they be trying to get us to do that, right? Yeah. Um, so I skipped the part, and this is the part I'm going to come back to, because this is kind of worded in between, but yet uh, it, it didn't make sense because then the, they continued to say things that explain why it doesn't make sense. So they talked about this striking a balance. But the two cases, you know, they did strike a balance. Um, but then the court said, but the people of the various states, may evaluate those interests, meaning the interest of the woman to have an abortion versus the interest of the baby to not be murdered, that the people of the various states may evaluate those two interests differently. The nation's historical understanding of ordered liberty does not prevent the people's elected representatives from deciding how abortion should be regulated. Okay, now deciding how it should be regulated, that's one thing. So, for example, if we talk about plain murder, um, oh, I should double check. Last I checked, anyway, last I knew, I think, if I remember right, it's been many years since I was in my death penalty seminar in law school. But Florida has the death penalty. Texas has the death penalty. Michigan explicitly states in the Michigan State Constitution there shall be no penalty for death for any crime. So each state for murder, for example, they are, uh, what was the wording? Um, they are deciding how that particular offense should be regulated, right? Everywhere in the entire country, it's illegal to murder someone, but <laughs> the circumstances each state might treat a little bit differently. 
you know, you might have something be termed manslaughter versus, you know, premeditated murder or whatever. And, and depending on different factors, each state might, um, you know, some might have mandatory sentencing issues, you know, oh, well, this particular crime is so heinous, it always has to have at least 25 years to life or whatever. And like I said, some states have the death penalty and some don't. That's a way that a state, from state to state, that they can regulate it. And, and it's something that, you know, every single state, it's illegal to murder somebody, but they each kind of do it their own way. So that part makes sense. But when the court says, but the people of the various states may evaluate the interest of a woman to have an abortion versus a baby to not be murdered, that those interests could be valued differently. How is that so what if 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 the popular belief, you know, um, if a segment of the population were to believe that it's okay to do that, uh, the Bible still tells us you can't murder. And I'm pretty sure that in more than one place in the U.S. Constitution, we are guaranteed the right to life, liberty, and property that those will not be taken away without due process of law. Well, state statutes that say, you know, that criminalize any abortion except, for example, when the life of the mother is at risk. Like or, an ectopic pregnancy, right? Um, I'm not smart enough with medical terms, but we'll just go with that. Um, sure. Okay, sure. good. Okay. <laughs> um, but... You know, let's think about even, uh, and I don't, I'm not saying I agree with this, but there are scenarios that um, I've heard stories where, you know, somebody had an abortion of one child because they were pregnant with multiples and they were told that if they did not abort one, then both or all three or whatever would die. Well, I can imagine being faced with that decision. So, I mean, if you're saying, all of the children that you're pregnant with are going to die. I mean, you're going to do whatever you can, right? I mean, yeah, I can't imagine. Or, you know, like I said, it's, it's kind of easier example if the life of the mother is at risk. Okay, well, as far as I know, most states that outright... Sorry, that's probably really loud. Most states that outright criminalize all abortion, as far as I know all have an exception for something like that for the life of the mother. Yep. But yep. even if there was a state that didn't do that, I would imagine what the due process clause requires then by its very terms is that the mother's life is not going to be uh, put in jeopardy without her having basically an emergency hearing or whatever that there would be something, some way for her to get um, the court or whomever to say, this is a scenario where your life will end if you don't have this procedure. So, you know, that is not a decision for the government to make. That's a decision that you and your doctor or whomever needs to make. You know, you can't, you can't set up somebody to be in a situation where they're going to certainly die. You know, like, for example, shutting down all kinds of medical procedures for two years because, you know, we're going to three weeks to slow the curve or something like that. That would never happen. <laughs> um, but, I mean, honestly, that's the same scenario where the government is putting into place 
something where, you know, there is imminent risk of death in situations, well, yeah, you might need to treat that particular situation differently than you're treating all the rest. But even then, the the child, or like in this situation, like an ectopic pregnancy, which always results in uh, the termination of the pregnancy, but even then, it's not because we're killing the child because we don't want the child. It's because the only resolution for such a scenario would be to terminate that the pregnancy so that way both don't die only one would which is still tragic but we shouldn't treat it like it's an inhumane clump of cells that has no worth or value we don't dehumanize it we mourn the loss uh we have actually a friend of ours who this, this very scenario happened and they say that they think of this child often of what could have happened uh with that child but uh so uh, to that point it's more of a result of the situation as opposed to well, this is really inconvenient, it's really hard for me, so I'm just going to remove its life entirely. Well, and you know, and, and there's situations that people talk about, what in what about in, in um, the context of, you know, a, a rape situation? Well, again, I, I use the analogy of, let's say there's um, a battered woman, and I, I've, I myself have done a lot of work um, to I've represented children in abuse and neglect cases as a guardian ad litem in two different states. Um, I've uh, represented a lot of um, women in abusive relationships um, and especially in custody cases and divorces. Um, you know, I would never represent, um, you know, somebody who's uh, accused of abuse. Uh, I just, I, I can't do it. Uh, and they deserve, you know, their own good representation. Um, so I've had to get out of cases that I was assigned to as a public defender because I, I couldn't do it. Um, anyway, so that's, I mean, I'm, I'm an advocate for people who don't have a voice. I mean, I'll, if you know anything about my ministry that I've been doing for years, the thousands of gifts that I was putting together and care packages and stuff. Um, some of them were for homeless, uh, shelters, but, Many of them throughout the years were for women and children at domestic abuse shelters. I mean, so I'm not somebody who just takes that topic lightly. I've, I've delivered thousands of gifts that I put together by myself or with sometimes the help of uh, that guy um, or, <laughs> you know, forcibly by, you know, some of my children that might have helped. Um, but uh, anyway, you know, it, 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 so I don't take the topic of abuse lightly. But. Um, if you had, um, let's say, you know, let's say, you know, of somebody who is in an abusive relationship and they, um, have, you know, they've tried to get out. Okay. Let's say it's May of 2020 or March of 2020. Okay. And all the domestic abuse shelters are now closed. And churches all around the state of, say, I don't know, Michigan, for the, by and large, are closed because they're cowards and they're not real Christians and they're going to rot in hell. But, you know, they're closed. Um, and, you know, resources that people, you know, there aren't enough resources like that anyway. But the resources that many people did have the option to try to get to before, those are all gone. And the few that might have been remaining open, you know, People didn't know which ones were open, right? Because everything is, is essentially closed. And and you have people, um, I had people that were reaching out to me that were victims of domestic violence and, you know, schools were closed and everything. And so this one sticks in my mind. The, the woman would take her child 
um, to just, she'd leave for the day, drive around, and uh, she would just, you know, because gas wasn't $5 a gallon because Biden wasn't president. But anyway, uh, she would, you know, drive around, and then at times they would just sit and park in the parking lot of a church. You know, the church was closed, but she would just sit and park there. And then law enforcement started coming after her and telling her, oh, this is, you know, we have a curfew by an executive order. We're going to arrest you if you don't go to your house. And she's like, I can't go to my house. It's literally not a safe place. And there's no shelters. There's no, I, I, I have no opportunities to leave. So let's say it's, it's the worst case scenario. It's something like that all over again. Things are shut down. People, you know, you can't just say to somebody, oh, you could always leave. No, this is, this is a scenario where someone is being abused on a regular basis and, and they're worried about the life of their child. Let's say their abuser is uh, the police chief. And so they can't just report them to the police. How's that going to work? Right? Um, so it's something like that. Okay? Uh, not that anybody in law enforcement would ever do things, you know, illegal or unethical or unconstitutional or like <laughs> three grown men would ever physically assault a woman when she had her six-year-old child with her or anything like that. Oh, if that happened, it wait, wouldn't be on video for everyone to watch. Yes. <laughs> By the way, it is on video. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, please go to the front page of my website, restorefreedomkh.com. Um, but anyway, the, um, you know, not, not all cops are bad, but anyway, so let's say this in, in this example, you know, this woman, literally, she can't report it. She, she has nowhere to go. Um, nothing is open. There's no resources. And she's literally worried that, you know, her child is going to continue suffering abuse at the hands of this abuser. I mean, that's like an impossible situation. Do people really think like as a show of hands from the two of you that I can see, um, I'm sure there's more people out there, but I can't see the comments because I'm on my phone. But the two of you, you know, do either one of you think that you'd be okay with her um, doing it as like a, a mercy killing that she has this infant at home that she's worried would be abused. So um, like logistically and like realistically legitly concerned that this child will be abused or at least witness the firsthand abuse, you know, uh, that she's experiencing. And she just doesn't want that kind of a life for her child. She wants to save her child from the suffering or from broken bones or whatever, you know, would it be okay then for her to just murder her infant so that the child didn't suffer? Yeah, I, I think that's where the court steps in and says no. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I, I've told my story on here a thousand times over as an abuse victim myself, as brothers who were abused and in the foster system and the whole nine yards. Um, they're still happy they're alive and were able to eventually overcome such circumstances. You rob them of the ability to rise above and potentially create a stronger life for themselves through adversity. Now, of course, there's the risk of what always happens, what can oftentimes happen in those scenarios. Someone can become a drug addict and a lot of other problems, but you're removing that choice from them. Um, so that's the huge, that it's a huge thing for me where it's like, yeah, I mean, we can paint, like you just did, a horrible picture. And it's like, but the, still the question comes in, is it still my choice to do a mercy killing here? You know what I mean? Like, or is that still another person? Um, no matter how awful, I, actually it's funny. To, uh, we have a meme that has gone viral on our page and it says <laughs> probably by the end of tonight it's gonna have over a million views on Facebook. And it was funny because 
I've had, I have people in there that were like, well, what, it's easy for you guys to say, I was in the foster system, I was molested, I was abused, and it would I'd, it'd be better to be dead than experience what I experienced. And I just pointed out the obvious, which is clearly not, because you're still here. If it was truly better to be dead, you wouldn't be here. Right. Uh, and I'm not trying to be a jerk or insensitive. It's just your life is valuable and you should still be here. Yeah. <laughs> glad, I yeah. say glad bravo, you know, good job, you endured. Um, and not that you should ever have to endure such a thing. But again, we're talking about here, if we have the right to life, well, when does life begin, right? So if everyone has a, the right to life, liberty, and property, well, what it, when does life begin? Well, you, we've done the sled test on here before, but you can't say it's about a certain size. You can't say it's a certain level of development. Uh, you can't say it's an environment. Well, hey, hey. hey, well, you're jumping like, you know, a whole bunch, you know, the court talks about that too, but I just, I wanted to draw people to the analogy oh, though. sorry. <laughs> that if, if, if you're talking about a rape victim and while well, a rape victim, you know, in, in those situations, you know, you can't force a woman to have this baby then. Okay, well, if we just talked about a scenario where in the best of all intentions and in circumstances entirely outside of her control, there's a situation where a woman is just trying to do um, what's best to stop, you know, any, any suffering at the hands of, you know, an abuser um, for her little baby. If everybody with a moral conscience would say, yeah, you can't do that. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's not okay. Then why would it be okay to, to murder a baby who is the product of a sexual assault when there's not, I mean, in most of those cases, it's, um, it's a one-time thing, you know, it's, it's a, um, in most of those types of sexual assault situations, it's like a stranger issue, you know, where it was a stranger that um, raped someone. It's not going to be like this, you know, custody battle or, you know, anything like that. There's not going to be, um, if somebody doesn't want to, they're not able or not wanting to parent, that's what adoption is for. Um, and, you know, there's, there's other options, but if murdering an infant is not okay, then murdering a pre-born infant for the same scenarios uh, is not okay. Yeah, so, you really have to kind of extract yourself from morality in order to say that's okay. This, you really have to dehumanize that child and put in a different frame of mind in order to actually arrive to that conclusion. Now, it's funny that you, you know, you were making the point about, you know, when does life begin? Um, there's a couple of things that we got to talk about with that. But um, let's see, the court actually brings that point up. Um, well, I, just to, to finish that point about, you know, states being able to decide differently or, you know, basically people can have differing opinions about this. No, murder is murder and it's still murder. And since government's only government is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, if it's doing anything extra aside from protecting our individual liberties, that in my exercise of my individual liberties, I'm not, you know, throwing my garbage on Brian's property, for example. Um, so anything beyond that. So in other words, 96%, no joke, 
of all the things that government does and has been doing for, you know, my whole life, your whole life, right? 96% of that is not constitutional. Government should not be doing, you know, any of that. There should be no Department of Education. There's, there's no authority to have an entire IRS that does all these audits and, and whatever. Um, dang, those slivers are really actually <laughs> getting to me. Um, and they're so tiny, I can't see them when it's this dark out. So um, anyway, so it, it, it's so anyway, that's that's all that government's job is. But government, government officials, government bodies, um, they're not allowed to, you know, start chipping away at those individual liberties, such as the right to life, which is in the Constitution. Um, and, you know, they're not allowed to say, well, some rights are better than others, right? Um, women and men, um, people of all different colors, people of all different ages, you know, it's all, we all have a right to life. In fact, it starts becoming a slippery slope if you think it's okay to, you know, murder based on, well, the, the child's not going to have a, a good life because of X, Y, Z. Okay, so what does that mean for the disabled population? What does yeah. that mean for people born with disabilities? What does that mean for people who are in serious or debilitating car accidents or things like that? Is it okay to say, well, you know, we're going to euthanize that person because that person has Down syndrome or that person has, you know, severe autism or whatever. That person is quadriplegic or um, whatever. Yeah, it's all forms of eugenics, essentially. Yes. And so, you know, it, it's, it's all related. And so the people that try to say, oh, no, 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 that's totally unrelated. No, it's, it's not because it's a very slippery slope when we start saying, well, yeah, you can, you know, you can murder some lives, but just not others and, and, and end those lives without any kind of due process whatsoever. At least, and, and I don't agree with the death penalty personally, but at least with the death penalty, in theory, uh, the person before they're ever, you know, given an execution, they are given um, the, you know, that due process through the courts. They're allowed to challenge things at the state level. Then they're allowed to challenge things at the federal level. They're allowed to make, you know, uh, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court just came down, I think it was um, a couple days ago, Thursday, maybe yesterday, I don't know, somewhere very recently, um, where two, I believe, of the conservative justices actually joined with the liberal justices and um, on a death penalty case. And they were saying essentially that um, if somebody wants to be able to challenge, this particular person was trying to challenge lethal injection and, and not saying that the court, or excuse me, that the government can't put him to death. I want to say it was Georgia. But not saying that Georgia couldn't put him to death for his crimes, but saying they couldn't put him to death by using lethal injection because all these health issues he has and he doesn't have good veins like based on some medical conditions he has and they were going to have to like slice open his neck to try to tap it. And it was like this crazy. And by the way, if you've ever not researched uh, lethal injections, I have actually studied that for an entire semester in law school and it's actually pretty gruesome and it mm. should never have been used as a, as a method of death penalty. 
But what he was asking for, and actually what I argued for, um, if there is going to be a death penalty, is firing squad. Uh, and that's literally what the guy's asking for. He's saying, <laughs> you can put me to death, but just put me to death in the most humane way possible so that my body's not literally catching on fire from the inside out. Um, that, you know, it's firing squad. And, and quite frankly, no one should have to bear the burden of putting someone be the be the one or two or three or whatever person that is responsible for putting someone to death that way i mean that's that does something to you um so anyway uh all side notes but that was also a very recent decision that came out as well um so it's kind of funny that you know the court i don't know seeming to value life in some ways and not in others but um well, I wanted to get to that because that's kind of an interesting point, Catherine, with kind of the consistency of the court. Obviously, this is maybe, in my opinion, more unique in some of the cases because there's so many different concurring opinions, and they seem to both be very disagreeing but also still holding to the majority opinion. What is your take on Kavanaugh's concurring opinion and his take that essentially the government has absolutely no role whatsoever in protecting life from the abortion angle, and he like doesn't see even an argument for the Fourteenth Amendment to protect life. He's on crack. <laughs> um, well, I, I what I want to do is actually that's a a, a good way to respond to it is um, actually kind of tying back into the t the topic that that Will was bringing out earlier, um, but the whole idea of what life is protected by the constitution what when is life starting to be protected and the court has this interesting point the arbitrary viability line right that's you know what courts have used then for quite some time um which casey termed uh Roe's central rule so that's their wording but they're basically saying um since these cases uh you know, you've been able to have abortions based on the vi based on whether the child was um, viable or not. But this arbitrary viability rule has not found much support among philosophers and ethicists who have attempted to justify a right to abortion. The most obvious problem with any such argument is that viability has changed over time and is heavily dependent on factors such as medical advances and the ability of availability of quality medical care that have nothing to do with the characteristics of a fetus. So that's true if you think about it. If you're in, you know, what's been termed a third world country and, you know, you have um, some sort of, you know, you or the baby have some sort of medical condition, uh, you know, whether the child is likely to survive is statistically going to be much lower where there's, you know, no ready access to general medical care where you might not have clean running water where, you know, you might have, um, there might not be ultrasounds available or whatever things where you can, um, diagnose and, and treat conditions where, you know, if you're living in the city of Chicago or New York or, you know, really anywhere in the U S but where, you know, you have, uh, the choice of many different hospitals and specialists and, and you know, medical procedures and facilities and, and equipment, um, you're going to be able to save 
the life uh, of this unborn child much easier with the use of all of, of all of those things, right? So viability, are we to say, how does that really, in terms of defining when a life is, is a life in the terms of the court, does it make sense to say then, if you live in this third world country, well, life doesn't start until the third trimester, uh, or life doesn't start until you're born. But, you know, over here where there's better medical care, life starts, you know, at when you're viable at, you know, 22 weeks or whatever. Well, Does that really thing. make sense? Well, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, this is where my my meat and potatoes is really is philosophy and theology. And that was one of the things here is like, as you're saying, it becomes arbitrary when you start talking about viability. Brian's son was born at 25 weeks. That's not viable in Haiti, but it's viable. It was viable here. That's not even viable in northern Michigan. I mean, even within the same states, there's different levels of viability. Right. Based on medical care. Right. So when and, you're. And just in case people don't know, in case they're tuning in because they like me and they don't know about you guys, I don't know. Because um, I was advertising this too. But uh, his son is. Uh, the viability worked out very well in his favor because he's how old now? He's 11. Oh my gosh, 11. Dang. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't guess that because I would have gotten that wrong. Time flies. But the kid's 11, guys. So, I mean, um, anyway, I just had to interject that. This is, you know, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Oh, yeah, oh no. and philosophy, uh, just so you know, uh, this is why we were destined to be friends. One of my many majors and, and degrees and things, I, I was a philosophy major. So, uh, ah. Hi, people. <laughs> um, so they, uh, yeah, exactly. So when you really get to that, it's like, well, philosophically, we have to just define life. And there is really no consistent line, right? Unless you just say conception, because that is when the unique form of DNA is even, it begins with the DNA remains the same, that you take a DNA sample from the fertilized egg all the way up to the when they're 98 years old, it's going to match. And that's why it's the same human. Um, and now uh, when it comes down to it, uh, what it really just comes down to, as we mentioned at the beginning, I think some people missed that maybe in the live chat at the very beginning. It just comes down to it's not your life and it's not your body, right? So uh, it's not your decision that you get to make. It's a body within a body, and that's just the scientific well, point. And, and if we look at it, um, all throughout the Bible, we're, you know, God is referring to babies that are humans, you know, God, uh, of course, and now I don't have any of my notes, but I've also published published um, my my notes um, and, and shared them for people to see, too. Um, week 15, I believe, uh, week 15's um, uh, Constitution segment recap, I, I went over um, this as well, the different sections of the Bible, what you know better than I do. But uh, anyway, we're, you know, the... Um, <clears throat> Um, you know, God knows you in the womb and, and God, you know, knows the plans he has for you before you were even born. And, uh, you know, the baby uh, leapt in, in Mary's womb at the sound of whatever. I, I can't remember all that stuff. Um, I, I'm not good at that. But anyway, it, it, there's no there's no reference to. Well, so there's this clump of cells and then upon viability now we're going to start referring to these um, things as unborn baby. But the Bible doesn't differentiate, as far as I know. I mean, Will, correct me if I'm wrong. You're the pastor, not me. 
<laughs> uh, no, you're, you're, you'd be correct. Um, even in Exodus, uh, it mentions the fact that a woman, can, uh, if a woman loses a child during a struggle, uh, that they would repay life for life, blood for blood, eye for eye, um, and all that. So, uh, oh, yep, and then... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, people are already commenting in here uh, regarding that. So, I mean, that's the, the Bible makes explicitly clear, and theologically speaking, even ancient Israel, if you read, like, even what rabbis and sages of old have said, basically they say they don't, tr that you, the only time an exception should be made in a pregnancy is whenever it is the mother's life. Because they say they, you know, you're not trying to trade life for life, but, that you know, this is what it is. So... Uh, yeah, no, I'm with you, and I think the bi biblical case, in fact, actually, can I get on a soapbox for two seconds? Go for it. <laughs> um, this is actually something that's been really bothering me ever, ever since this decision was made. Now, this brings it back to states, right? So it brings it back to states, right? So first off, abortion is not banned. So people need to understand that it's not banned. So it's now back to states' decisions. Um, if you will. So it's going back to the states. And um, now the problem is with that is, of course, there's places like New York, California and stuff where uh, like in the New York state, more black babies are actually aborted than born, for example. Uh, so when, yeah, yeah, exactly. So Margaret Singer is getting her wish. So the- And last so, I checked, there's still an equal protection clause in the 14th Amendment of the US Constitution, but you know, not that that should matter or anything. Oh, well, we don't talk, well, I feel like nowadays the constitutions, they look at like more like guidelines and actual rules um, to go Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> um, so, but the thing is, is like now what's been happening is that with Christians with us now, so Christians are celebrating uh, because we're like, finally, uh, we have some people who actually made a political move, which is good because a lot of times people get in power and they don't do anything with it that are on our side. So it's nice to actually see, hey, look, our agenda. Like that's what we want. That's the whole point of having these offices is that your agenda is pushed to some degree or other. Yeah, and babies are actually going to get saved. Right, that there will be, yeah, that maybe we can actually see start pushing toward the states and, you know, slowly working our way to stop sacrificing babies to Moloch. But anyway, um, the point because is instead here. instead of the court, Instead of the court actually doing the right thing and the issue is settled once and for all, now we have to battle it 50 more times. That sounds <laughs> fabulous. Right. Not awesome. Exactly. Um, so it's just, like I said, it's, it's one of those things where now it's a whole other issue. But the, the, pro, the thing is here is now, so Christians are going, yay, we at least have a win. And then what's happening is that these other Christians are coming in and rebuking these other Christians for celebrating this. Um, so... Uh, they're like, well, you know, people to see you gloating. Think about the hurt people right now. You got it. You should love those hurt people too right now. And I'm like, look, bottom line, it, you know, that because people lost this, th th what they think is right, or they lost a right. And what it is is that, I'm sorry, Christians, stop apologizing for your faith. Stop apologizing for your beliefs. And this isn't even uh, like we have a uh, W. Okay, where are you at in here? Uh, yes, I know you're on our side and you, I just want stronger arguments. Buddy, <laughs> don't worry. We've covered all of them on about every single part of our channel. <laughs> but he's over, but I mean, he's talking in here as well um, about the fact that like, hey, we Christians need to have these stronger arguments, but you'll notice the arguments he's using actually are strong philosophical arguments where you don't even need to bring it back to the, to the Bible. It's actually kind of funny. I actually can get people chasing their own tail just by trying to express what is personhood. So when we're really 
coming down to this, when it comes down to where we're fighting at and whatnot, Christians need to stop being so cowardly and stop pandering to these groups of outrage, trying to make them feel better for their position to murder babies. Yeah, um, no one's going, hey, I know there's we got rid of the genocide, but think about all the people that were genociding those people. Like, they feel bad now. Like, they're they're lost their livelihood. They can no longer kill people indiscriminately. Like, you, no one would ever say that. It just shows that they're really on the wrong side of that argument, and they're trying to philosophize a middle ground that they think they need to live in because they don't want to fully accept the truth. Right, or they just don't want to deal with the persecution and the hate that might happen if you stand against it. I actually literally used it on someone today. Uh, he was saying that it, we were wrong because we're expecting, you know, the problem is with us Christians preaching about this. This is coming from a Christian who's, supposed, who's working toward his PhD, and I'm like, and he said, well, the problem is that Christians are expecting other people who are not Christians to adhere to Christian faith uh, regarding life. And I just asked him, I was like, would you say the same thing if it was the Holocaust? And but, what is but it? Wait, but let's, let's look at it as simple as this. Sorry. The Constitution is, that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about that there was supposedly this constitutional right to an abortion, right? Well, that stems from, well, the Constitution. So let's look at the Constitution. And the Constitution clearly says that we have our blessings of liberty, capital B, that these are blessings. And if you look at the Declaration of Independence, it's talking about these rights that are given to us by God, our Creator, and they're unalienable. And that includes the right to life and liberty. So it's, it's the very foundation of our government, and it's written into the words of the Constitution for somebody to be playing the fence and saying, well, you know, Christians shouldn't be expecting other people to, you know, abide by the definition of, of life that, that Christians hold. Um, duh, we all have that because that's why murder is illegal in every single state. Because, you know, in other countries, you're allowed to murder based on different things. You know, I, I'm not even going to go into all the examples, but we know that's a thing based on different religious practices or cultural norms or whatever. Um, here, we don't do that. It's never been okay. Murder is always murder. And it's always going to be murder. And the Constitution, I mean, there's a reason why we have to be hammering on the Bible and why we shouldn't look to philosophical arguments. I mean, philosophical arguments are great too, but I'm the constitutional attorney, so I'm going to hammer on the Constitution. And the Constitution uh, doesn't point to philosophical arguments. The Constitution points to the fact that the government's sole purpose is to protect our God-given liberties. The Ninth Amendment, which ironically has been used like a uh, Whitmer, in her abortion case that she filed in Michigan, uh, which I do plan to file an amicus brief, uh, assuming the court allows, uh, puts an order for additional briefing to be made. And you can put your name on that if you'd like. I have a sign-up sheet. Um, but anyway, uh, one of her arguments is that there's in the unenumerated clause, which in Michigan is Article 1, Section 23, but it's not the Ninth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, that there's this unenumerated right to an abortion. And I'm like, how stupid are you for a smart person <laughs> who's an attorney? And I think she knows the law. I mean, I actually think she really knows the law well. That's the sad thing. She's just that evil, actually. She's not stupid. She's evil. Because the unenumerated clause talks about our blessings of liberty, that all of those unenumerated rights that are given to us, all of those blessings, 
we keep and we retain those. And the government still has to protect them. God did not bestow upon anyone the right to indiscriminately murder because you're having a bad day, because you don't have a financial situation that's good, because somebody has um, assaulted you. Um, unless, you know, you might be, you might accidentally murder the person that you're trying to defend yourself against because they're in the process of assaulting you, but that's not what happens with abortion. So God did not, there's no stretch of the imagination to say that God gave, it's a blessing of liberty to have an abortion, but that's what the Ninth Amendment is. And life, well, if we're getting all of our rights and all of our liberties from God, we have to turn to God to say, what is life? There's no two ways about it. I don't know. That's my soapbox. Well, and I think what you're getting at too is like the fundamental difference that I think you mentioned this at the beginning where people have trouble understanding even what the Constitution is saying is where those rights are coming from. And you're saying it, the preamble and the Declaration of Independence is saying the rights are coming from God and government is protecting them. And we have a lot of people that are on the left side of this aisle are saying, well, the rights come from other people saying their rights. And that could be the government, that could be whoever is your local attorney, that could be whoever gets enough people to agree with them and you have mob control that are determining rights. And that's the distinction I think that you're trying to get at is that those are, even our definition of what a right is, is different depending on what your understanding is of God and, and religion and the, the nature of the universe. Well, and there's, there are some government bestowed rights, but those are the few and far between. So, for example, the Michigan Constitution now, I believe, uh, has um, a provision in there about um, absentee ballots or something of that nature. Um, it's something to do with voting. It's not just the right to vote, but it's, you know, something like that where you can vote absentee without reason, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So if that's in the Constitution, that's a state-given right. You now have the right. That's not something given by God. I mean, that there's not even anybody on the planet, I would think, that even argue, would try to argue that. So, but that's a rare circumstance. Your right to life, given by God. Your right to liberty, given by God. Your right to um, protect yourself and your family, and your community, you know, your right to bear arms. That, that's a right given by God. Your right to have your own home where uh, your government cannot just come in and search it or make you house and quarter troops or, um, you know, remove you from your home uh, without, you know, proper cause, due process of law, uh, a warrant, uh, you know, exigent circumstances, whatever, right? Um, there's all kinds of rights that are, all of the things that we think about on a regular basis, those really are rights given to us by God. But you do have the rare circumstance, like I mentioned, um, that, that it's a government given right, but nobody's thinking about that, right? <laughs> the right to absentee ballot when you ask them what their rights are or whatever. <laughs> well, um, I hope not anyway. 
it kind of goes down to the moral argument a little bit for God's existence, which is kind of what the backbone of this discussion is a little bit, which is basically if God exists, then objective moral values and duties exist. So if God exists, therefore we have objective moral duties and values, which also means we have meaning and therefore rights by, by God. If God does not exist, then we are just a space accident and we are just a bunch of evolved monkeys that disagree with each other. And therefore we could do whatever the heck we want. We could take away your rights or I could give you rights because they're not really rights from anyone. They're just what we arbitrarily have chosen that you can and cannot do. So, which is why the very backdrop of Western society has always been uh, the presupposition that God exists because that's where the inalienable rights come from. How's it inalienable? Well, as W.J. Presler actually put it, man can't take them. <laughs> so uh, they can try, they can strive, but it doesn't mean that they have the right to do it. So, um, sorry, random tangent there as well as far as philosophical angle is concerned. <laughs> well, I want to well, get on I mean, one more question for you, Catherine, before I think we get to yeah. some audience questions. But I, I wanted to hear you spout off a little bit about this whole idea of substantive due process. And is should people be paranoid that they will lose their access to contraception and all the other um, court cases that have been that have tagged this or used substantive due process to find a right or something that the federal government has to um, determine? <laughs> so what's funny about that is, um, you know, it is a double edged sword, but that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about, because um, in here, uh, the court talks, it, 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 anyway, talks about, um, so the court's decisions uh, about this liberty, right, this, this right for this abortion, the court's decisions have held that um, the due process clause protects two categories of substantive rights. Those rights that are guaranteed by the first eight amendments to the Constitution, uh, they agree with me on that, uh, and <laughs> Those rights um, deemed, um, and by the way, it doesn't say granted, those rights granted, at least they're smart enough to write it correctly. So it literally says those rights guaranteed, another way to say it is protected by the first eight amendments to the Constitution, and those rights deemed fundamental that are not mentioned anywhere in the Constitution, okay? So... Um, anyway, and then they say, well, uh, in deciding whether a right falls into one of these categories, the question is whether the right is deeply rooted in our history and tradition. Uh, no, you guys are morons, but whatever. Um, <laughs> and they continue around that portion out, though, by saying that, um, you know, there's all these, you know, there's some confusions about, you know, basically judges kind of inserting their own thoughts and basically they don't want judicial interpretation and which I agree with. There should not be judicial interpretation. The Constitution is what it is. But uh, they say for this reason of all this confusion and the conflicting politics behind everything, um, the court has been reluctant to recognize rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution. Now, again, the statement is recognize rights, not grant rights, because the government doesn't grant us rights. God gave us rights. They're saying that they have been reluctant uh, throughout history, that the court has been reluctant 
to recognize rights that are not delineated, mentioned specifically in the Constitution. And that right there, I want to say, again, all of you guys, all of you justices, for the hundreds of years of getting this wrong, you guys are morons and should be disbarred and never be able to practice law, let alone make decisions on behalf of the entire country. Because if you can't read the Ninth Amendment, you don't belong holding a law license. The Ninth Amendment, it, it, literally, the, the, it's just like, it's like a duh moment. Are you, it says unenumerated rights that we retain all of those that are unenumerated just the same as we're keeping all of those that are enumerated so it it, it blows my mind um and so at any rate again though it's getting at our rights from god that we retain not made up right you know rights that have no basis in biblical um you know, values whatsoever. No, God didn't give us the right to, you know, I don't know. I was going to think of some smart ass response there, but um, (laughs) I'm tired. I haven't eaten all day. So it's the best I could do. But um, at any rate, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's, it's not something I, I want the court to be reluctant to recognize rights that really don't exist because they're not biblically based. And that's important because God gives us our rights. The government doesn't give us our rights. We don't give us our own rights. If that were the case, then why would anybody care what the Supreme Court says? If I can just (laughs) give myself my own rights and you give yourself your own (laughs) rights, and I mean, then there's a jewelry store over here. I'm just going to go in and grab what I want because I give myself my own rights and I now have the right to go take whatever I want. No, that doesn't, that's not how it works. I don't, nobody's stupid enough to argue that's how it would work. Well, unless so, you live in LA. Well, or Portland. <laughs> um, Portland, I would argue that that's stupid. But So they didn't come from the from the government and I don't, I could be wrong about this, but I don't even think the most um, popular liberal leaning decisions, you know, like Roe v. Wade or any of of the cases that, you know, are bad for um, moral uh, issues or for the Constitution. um, I don't think any of those even start talking about rights that are given by the government, recognized or guaranteed or something of that nature, I think has been the consistent wording. And there, I mean, so if even the liberal justices can agree to that, I think there's something to that. <laughs> right. Um, so, oh, go ahead. I, I don't know if that answer, I was trying to remember exactly what the question was with substantive rights, but. Yeah, I was just curious if, if are people right to be paranoid about the other cases that hinge on substantive due process to be redecided? People should be paranoid about every single thing that any government entity does, ever. <laughs> the scariest words, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, if, you're, if you're expecting that the government is going to do its job and protect all of your liberties, uh, you need your head examined and 
you, you need to rethink what you're putting your faith in. Right. We as right. a people need to stand up and put our government back in check and fire over 90% of them because their job literally is unconstitutional. And uh, we need to, well, I don't know, people like Pelosi and others who are, you know, not following the Constitution, even if their job is constitutional, like a senator or a representative or whatever, uh, they, you know, we need to hold those people accountable. But we don't, we can't expect that... <clears throat> At this stage, I mean, let me put it this way. We have a Republican form of government. That's the other thing about this. I just I just, I have to mention, too. So, you know, this case talks about um, the, uh, shoot, there was, oh. So when they're talking about, you know, uh, that the court did wrong in, in Roe v. Wade because the court basically, um, said, okay, states, you can't decide this issue. We're going to decide for you. The thing that this court in Dobbs said was that by doing that, Roe v. Wade and Casey, they short-circuited the democratic process by closing it to a large number of Americans who disagreed with Roe. Again, I don't give a crap about who disagrees with the court decision. What matters is not about whether everybody's going to agree because not everybody's going to agree. There's almost always going to be important issues that nearly half of the population, at least these days, is going to argue with because that's where we're at. Everybody's entitled and everybody's ill-informed and, you know, that, that's just how things are. But that doesn't mean that changes the basics of what's right and wrong, of what's constitutional and not constitutional. It's not by popular vote. In fact, democratic process, we don't have a democracy. The justices need to read up on <laughs> Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution that explicitly guarantees us a Republican form of government where we elect representatives to do the daily task of government, but we, the people, retain ultimate control and authority. So that by itself negates the point that the government's supposed to give us our rights because we have the sovereignty, but it also gets to the point of, you know, we don't have this mob rule. It's not just popular opinion or whoever screams the loudest wins. So, oh, hey. All those people were screaming super loud that they, you know, in their vagina hats and, you know, pink costumes <laughs> that, you know, they want abortion rights. Uh, okay. They have a First Amendment protected right uh, to do that. That doesn't mean that leads to uh, all of a sudden now there's this right to murder babies. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Do you want to get some questions? Yes, all right, so real quick, let's open this up to some questions because the reason why we wanted to have our friend uh, Catherine Henry on was because we have covered um, abortion in depth on our channel and mostly from a biblical and moral and philosophical angle. We had kind of hit it from all the angles. But I am not a constitutional specialist either, so I would rather not speak about law if I know nothing about it. <laughs> I've read up on all the other stuff, but I, I've read the Constitution. I know what it says, but 
it's better to have an attorney who can do that for us a little bit. Um, so do we have any sometimes. questions? Yes, yeah, sometimes. Um, Most attorneys don't know the Constitution, as sad as that is. Super sad. Uh, we def we definitely had a there few. There was one question up above, yeah. Did we get, oh, there hold was. on. Hold on, we got new comments. Uh, in addition to, oh, okay. Do we have any questions from the audience? Because uh, I know there were some questions that people asked. There was one in particular. I apologize to the live audience. Um, there it is. There it is. Yeah. That's the one uh, by Dusty Gibbs. He asks, what's the percent chance that this gets flipped back if the court goes liberal? Uh, serious question, as I'm not sure. So there would have to be a process where, you know, think of, I don't know what the percentage is, but there's a huge amount of cases that are filed um, that never quite make it into the hands of the justices. So, um, you know, cases often start, um, for example, in state court, and then they work their way through the trial court, and then an intermediate appellate court, and then the state Supreme Court, um, and then can jump over to the U.S. Supreme Court if there's a, a constitutional issue um, for the U.S. Constitution or something like that. Um, sometimes uh, you start in federal court, like say, for example, um, oh, I don't know, like if a constitutional attorney decides to uh, file a lawsuit against uh, three deputies, a sheriff, uh, five prosecuting attorneys, and some judges in uh, like Allegan County, for example, um, that kind of a case would likely, will uh, likely be filed in a federal district court, such as uh, the joke of a court that uh, found itself exercising jurisdiction over, say, uh, gubernatorial candidate Ryan Kelly for uh, the supposed insurrection charges that he's facing. But um, at any rate, um, so you start there and there's a trial court and then, uh, you know, court of appeals and then circuit court. Uh, the amount of cases that actually make it all the way up to the Supreme Court uh, is, is very small. And so even the ones that have followed every single procedure and timing and all that other stuff, they still, um, you know, the court decides whether they're going to grant cert, right? That's, that's the um, terminology, whether they're going to take the case. And, uh, you know, you might think, well, gosh, you know, once it becomes a, sorry, I'm exhausted. Oh, I'm, I'm so boring. I'm putting myself to sleep. Um, <laughs> now that's a true attorney for you. But uh, when uh, it becomes a liberal leaning court at some point, well then, gosh, you know, they might, you know, decide to let in any kind of abortion case that might bring this topic to the forefront. Maybe, but here's the thing. There is, the justices do value um, starry decisis that the topic has already been decided and things of that nature. And so, you know, then they would be undoing precedent by, you know, overturning the decision that happened uh, last week. So uh, is it is it something that could happen? Yes, it could. But the the best thing that you can do, honestly, is nothing other than prayer, prayer for our country, prayer for a, a wide variety of, th I mean, all the uh, elected leaders and those that are appointed and, and justices and judges and, 
the president, I mean, let me put it this way. I honestly believe there is no way other than through the unending prayer of millions of Christians uh, around this country and possibly around the world, praying for people such as Joe Biden, that this wouldn't have happened. And what is the this? On the heels of this decision and that Second Amendment decision, um, and and the well, it was before the religious liberties uh, decision came out, but it was over the weekend. People were asking the White House and um, the new press secretary, "Well, you know, is is Biden finally going to, you know, is he going to start expanding the Supreme Court so we can add more and essentially pack the court with liberals then, so there'd be more justices than there are now?" And I was surprised that the answer is, um, well, of course, it's not really from Biden because it's like a weekend at Bernie's there. But anyway, <laughs> who's ever writing the script for him uh, that it's it's not a good idea to do that because it would be seen as political. Well, obviously, it's going to be political. And I mean, you have people like Nancy Pelosi and who is the other one? Um, there's some anyway, there's some Congress, um, congressmen and women who are literally saying the court has no um, uh, shoot. What is the terminology? I don't want to say um, validity. Maybe that is uh, the, the court. Yeah, has that's what lost its, yeah, the court has lost its validity. And so you have to add more justices so you can get the validity back to the court what crack are you on? Like that's, that must be some good stuff because <laughs> that makes literally no sense whatsoever. I mean, logic was one of my favorite classes all through middle school and high school and in college. And I had a pluses and I can tell you that there's no logical connection uh, by packing the court full of a bunch of liberal justices that somehow you're going to then make it, um, valid, that the process is valid. You have saturated uh, and watered down how people are selected onto the court just to be able to get the outcome that you want. And that somehow makes the court's decisions from then on valid. I mean, so at any rate, the Biden administration uh, is, is taking a stance that no, that would not be a good thing to do. So I think that that is um, truly something that, because, you know, there had been talk about that happening and then they've been pushing it before. Um, I think that is really a byproduct of prayer making some, some headway, some, some change. And it might seem simple or it might seem small, but that's actually huge, Especially, I mean, they're getting a lot of backlash from liberals all around the country because, you know, and because they're not taking strong enough stances against these um, these recent court decisions. You know, where you, you have AOC out there saying that we're going to start, you know, performing abortions on federal land. Like, <laughs> what? Um, so I, I, I think... I think that there is some hope there, but could could things be overturned? Yeah, I mean it can. Right, there's always a possibility of anything like that. A um, couple things uh, I thought that would be worth uh, mentioning as well is, of course, get involved. Uh, these are some of the comments mentioned this as well. Pray for your country, pray for your leaders. Get involved locally and vote. 
Those are the things that you can do. If you want to see things change and keep going the right direction, those are the best things you can do. Um, I hear, hear people all the time, they say, oh, I don't keep up with politics, I just go and vote. And I don't understand how anyone can do that because how do you vote without being informed? I have no idea. So get involved, uh, get involved. Like otherwise you're just literally hitting check marks randomly. You have no idea what you just voted for. You just, if you, all you are like, well, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. Well, dude, that, that, that's a very broad spectrum uh, of each party. So get involved locally and vote. So um, I haven't seen any other questions pop up in the live feed. And I know you've had a really long day. Uh, so I'm actually okay with uh, closing this up. Are there any closing comments you have regarding this? Either one of you two? Yeah, so my, my um, every Wednesday, I do a, a way to get involved challenge. Wednesday's way to get involved challenge because, you know, I like alliteration and I'm a dork. So <laughs> anyway, um, this week I challenged people to, um, get, sorry, I, I can't help. My, I have to go on this tiny little tangent because there's a comment. Get that voting sticker. So I want to <laughs> say that it was a Barbie, that there's a, a voting Barbie and she has a ballot in her hand. And then she has the I voted sticker. And so somebody was commenting, well, whoa, is this vote trafficking? Because she already voted. She's got the sticker. And now she has another ballot in her hand. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I, that's what came to my mind when I saw that. And I wanted to share why I was laughing about getting the sticker. Um, <laughs> so, um, oh, dang it. Um, what, what was I talking about? Because that, that was not the important thing. Barbie was not important. Well, I think you're, we're, Catherine, are you getting at like some of the stuff to get involved with what you're working on oh. and how to. Um, yeah, well, find that's you. not what I'm. Yeah, well, this isn't even what I'm working on. But my way to get involved challenge of the week was to pick one of those three decisions. You know, are you a huge Second Amendment advocate? Are you um, someone that's big into religious liberty? Well, if you're watching this particular podcast, probably are going to end up picking that one, but not necessarily <laughs> guaranteed. Um, or are you someone who just feels strongly about, you know, the right to life? Um, pick one of those three decisions that, you know, happened in, in you know, the last seven days. Um, I talked about a little bit about each of them, talked about the, the case names. And, and like I said, all of them are available through my website. Um, I asked people to pick one of them and I would love it if you would read the whole decision, but I realized and like one of them was like 219 pages. A lot of people aren't going to do that, but to do, um, read the, uh, summary is basically what it is. The court puts out their own summary of the decision, the, the main opinion and they call it the syllabus. And so um, they're usually about six to seven pages or so. I wanna say one of them might've been five, one of them was uh, eight, one of them was six, something like that this week for those three. But it's, in, and they're not that big of pages. In fact, um, I'm gonna show you guys. Oh, that stupid sliver. <laughs> um, this is the size uh, let's see if you can see it. I can't figure out how to turn this. Okay, so see that it's not legible. This lighting is terrible, and I can't figure out the angle to hold everything. But you see the paper is not, like, it's like half of the page is really all it prints on, right? I mean, yeah. and it, it's just how they do it. It's, it's how they, they waste paper. Um, 
and it really frustrates me. But those are that those are the opinions like as they come out from the court. So um, really, if I'm saying to you it's eight pages, it's really like four pages of reading. Okay, and so this might seem like I'm overly laboring on this point, but four essentially four pages worth of reading for you to read words from the court itself. So you're not taking my word for it. So you're not taking Brian's word for it or Will's word for it. Um, you read it for yourself, especially in an election year. But we can't do this thing where we just wait for the media, um, even if it's a podcast like this, that we can't just wait for the media to tell us what's going on with our government. So it's just one of the ways, like I said, I do these every week, and that's just this week's particular challenge. But I'm really asking people to do that because it doesn't take attorneys to read the Constitution. It doesn't, it doesn't take attorneys to read the law or to read a court decision. Um, sometimes it sounds like it's, it's written in a foreign language, but that's because a bad judge wrote it. <laughs> any, any good case, any good decision is written so easily that a, a typical, well, I was going to say a typical eighth grader, but... Um, a typical homeschooled eighth grader can read it. <laughs> oh, burning, roasting my people. <laughs> uh, I was homeschooled, so that's why I'm not a good learner. No, I think she's roasting public school. Oh, yeah, I was that. roasting everybody else. Oh, uh, oh okay. I well, I feel better. I homeschool. Oh, that, oh, that's uh, yeah, great. no, I homeschool. My kids are homeschooled. So, Smart yeah. choice, especially with how crazy and ridiculous schools are now but that's another topic for another time Ooh, we should talk about that sometime but um now with that so uh now if people want to find more of you because again you're you're a big uh you have you have a, a court case going on right now people can go to your website or your youtube page and find that it's actually kind of horrifying uh brian you did a great editing skills on that by the way <laughs> it still hits me in the feels um she has a court case going on right now where constitutional rights were violated again this is her shtick uh the constitution uh as an attorney and so if you guys want to know more about the the legal processes if you guys want more political commentary from a constitutional perspective uh i how what is the best way for people to find you get involved and what are things that they can do to support you uh, my website is restorefreedom, K as in Catherine, H as in Henry.com, restorefreedomkh.com. And, um, you know, we have all kinds of different social media, um, of course, Facebook and YouTube and Rumble. And, uh, um, well, Lori hopefully is, is typing very fast uh, about all the things <laughs> I'm forgetting. But at any rate, um, we're out there everywhere, but we're actually shadow banned in quite a few places. So our growth has not happened at all um, in almost two years. But um, if you go to our website, that's going to be the best place. And eventually, we'll, um, when I figure uh, finish figuring out uh, how to code everything and uh, uh, have the time to do so, you'll be able to actually see um, our, our live videos, like right through the website and all that um, uh, without us hosting it. It's anyway, fun stuff that I'm figuring out on the fly. But uh, we just relaunched um, our brand new website. And um, it uh, hopefully looks better. Um, no offense to the team who uh, was part of uh, doing the first one, because uh, I'm very grateful to those <clears throat> such as Brian 
um, <laughs> and, and my dad and um, uh, the guy sleeping on the bench next to me and uh, uh, Joe Moss, uh, another wonderful freedom fighter. Uh, but it's just, you know, it was a conglomeration of things. We were building the plane as it was flying and it became hard to uh, make information available. So not everything is on there, but um, it is, um, uh, I I have quite a few pages already written and more will come. I'm also in the process of writing um, a brand new app, but if you go to the Google Play or Apple app stores, you can go search for Restore Freedom and you'll find um, our purple and white logo um, restore freedom. And, um, that's right now it's just got the U S and Michigan constitutions and it's not the most user-friendly app, but I didn't write that one. The one I am writing is going to knock that one out of the park. It's not even <laughs> going to be a comparison. Um, but, uh, and we'll start with the U S Michigan and Florida constitutions and add, um, hopefully, uh, 48 more States, uh, in, in a short amount of time. But anyway, tons of free resources. Um, so please uh, check us out there. And if you do have any interest in financially supporting us, whether you have literally, I've had people send me $2 at a time because that's all they have, or you have $2,000 that you'd like to donate or whatever, anything in between, anything more than that. Um, everything, every little bit helps. Uh, and our website, uh, don't laugh about how horrible the, the size of all the pictures and graphics are because they all look really funny, but that's what happens when you go from one theme on WordPress to another and, and whatever. Uh, but uh, we do, uh, we have Venmo and PayPal and Square and, uh, you know, there's an address to send actual, you know, paper checks and things like that for people who hate, you know, the Internet. Um, <laughs> so um, anyway, every little bit helps. But if you can pray for the Allegan County case, that would be the best uh, that, that, you know, the best prayer, um, focus right now for us, because it's literally, um, consumed my life for, you know, 20 months. And, um, it has honestly wide reaching implications. And, um, and if you can show up and support us on July 7th, which is also my husband's birthday, he's so excited to be spending <laughs> that day in Allegan County. But uh, we have um, several motions pending that day, including two motions to dismiss. And, um, and then July 13th, if that motion hearing doesn't go as it should, then July 13th is the jury trial at 9 a.m. Uh, and all of that is, if you click on our website, there's the calendar, and we always keep the, you know, the Google calendar um, updated with any information and, and any links. Um, what does she use for history curriculum? Oh, for homeschooling. Um, I don't have a set curriculum. I, I just, I go with whatever I see. <laughs> so Teacher's for example, choice. yeah, I'm, I, my daughter, um, our youngest child is in second grade and she's finishing second grade up. And uh, she's actually in Michigan right now. Um, she stayed when we came back. But uh, she is, um, you know, so when she comes back, we're going to have to finish the homeschooling year and round things out and do testing. And so I'm starting to use, you know, Google Classroom and, and Google um, and, uh, quizzes, forms, whatever they're called. And so I'm thinking to myself, I I'm, I'm took a step back and, and I was like, well, I need to have the overall plan for her whole education through graduation, making sure we're covering every topic that's important. I'm not going to have a government tell me what's important. 
And I'm like, well, what kinds of things, you know, for social studies? Oh, well, you know, she needs to know the states and the capitals and she needs to know the presidents and she needs to know, well, she needs to know about the constitution and she needs to be able to tell it, you know, tell us what the, the, um, the first 10 amendments are, but she also needs to tell us what article one, article two and article three are about. And she needs to know how many articles are in the constitution seven, by the way. Um, she needs to be able to tell us how many amendments she needs to be able to tell us, you know, how many articles are in the state constitution and she needs to be able to tell us what a Republican form of government is and what are the duties of three branches of government. And anyway, so I started like writing all these lists of things and I'm like, this is what every child should know. So basically anything social studies, (laughs) I'm not relying on anybody else to tell me what my child should learn. (laughs) I'm writing it and I will be sharing it. I actually will be, uh, hopefully this year in 2022, but um, I will be starting constitution courses. And uh, I specifically want to focus ones that would be geared towards, you know, middle schoolers and um, high schoolers um, and eventually um, elementary school kids. So anyway, I plan to share my knowledge at all levels. So so we should send those to your favorite uh, Senator representatives so they can they can learn at the the middle school level at least how to be government. <laughs> Let's be honest, send them the kindergarten lessons. Let's go from there. Yeah, I'm going to send them to AOC, so I can't wait till those links go up. <laughs> uh, he will. He will do it. <laughs> um, so anyway, all right, guys, go follow Catherine Henry. You can find her on YouTube, Rumble. Go to her, her website, Restore Freedom KH. Um, and so you go check her out. Go support her. Um, I know she's an old friend of ours, uh, and she's somebody not that, that old yet. My birthday's on Sunday, but I'm not that old yet. Come on now. Okay, all right, all right. She's a, she's a, she's a very young friend of ours <laughs> and, uh, she, but you know, uh, I honestly have appreciated her work. Uh, we made a lot of headway, uh, during, um, the COVID lockdowns and everything, just because of a lot of stuff she did, she's done. She has sacrificed a lot for her community and a lot for the, our, our own people up here in Michigan. Uh, I know I'm going to toot your horn, so deal with it. Um, <laughs> and it's one of those things where it has cost her a lot of money out of pocket, far more out of her own pocket than, uh, what she obviously gets so if you guys can financially support her please consider doing so um and with that being said catherine thank you so much for your time and for coming and having i enjoy all the conversations we have and i enjoy the sarcastic remarks even more Uh, i forgot how much she how many she has of those oh yeah as soon as she starts spouting off like oh yeah i forgot how much i missed that (laughs) so uh thank you so much and guys go follow her work catherine thank you for joining us and you all take care. And uh, we got to thank this guy. Oh, he's been sitting you, here patiently, <laughs> and Mike. he has to—he has to go to work at seven in the morning, and he's sitting on a park bench in a in a town forty-five minutes away from home just so we could do this. So, <laughs> Mike, you're the man. <laughs> and we haven't eaten dinner yet, so he's been patiently <laughs> waiting for that. Too. Beautiful. Okay, well, if that's the case, I'll let you get to that. Thank you so much for coming on, Catherine, and we'll yeah, be in touch. You. Maybe we'll have you chatting sometime soon about the school system or something. It'd be fun. <laughs> Sounds fun. wonderful. All right, take care, Catherine. Yep, have a great night. You too, bye-bye. Night.